With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. you very much for being there. It's a blessing. And hopefully the Lord will bless you for being here. And I'm sure he will in some way. Oh, you doing okay, Brother Chad? Oh, I'm doing very well. Alive and blessed and thankful. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, before we get started tonight, I'll make a few comments about our study in Genesis. I said the other night I was going to make a few comments concerning... Uh, pre-existence, the pre-Adamic race, but I'm going to wait till tomorrow night with um, Brother Dave to make those comments. I wanted to say, make comments about something else, about knowledge, period. The age that we live in has been bombarded with quote-unquote knowledge. And everybody, and when I say everybody, I'm talking about basically everybody that's got any spare time. I'm not talking about the ones that's slaving their tail off at a job eight hours a day or ten hours a day, six days a week. I'm not talking and, and just has to spend has time to spend with family and then worship the Lord. They're, I'm not saying they're in this category I'm fixing to talk about. But the ones that do have the time you are inundated with all kinds of knowledge. Turn, turn to Daniel twelve, brother Chad. Okay. Okay. And I want and I and I and I, the reason I'm talking about knowledge, it, it, don't for one second buy into this idea that all knowledge is good. And it, uh, that the more knowledge you get, it's, you're just going. It's just going to increase your spirituality and and. Um, it's just going to to help you so much with this 
this brain feed. That's all. That's basically all it is is a, a brain feed. Brain feed. F E E D. Okay. Because that brain feed, <laughs> once that last breath is taken, it stays in the grave. You probably haven't thought about that too much. You might think you carry it with you, but you don't. Godliness, you do. That's the only thing you can take from this life to the next. Did you know that? So your works go before you. And your godliness, your repentance, your repentance of fellowship with the Lord, what you do to your fellow man, to your fellow brother, that stuff, that follow that follows after you. That comes after you. That come that'll that'll go into the next life. But all this this knowledge stuff, all the symbols, signs, all I'm not saying it's wrong to know this stuff, folks. I'm just I'm I'm leading up to a point. All right. Especially this has got to do with Genesis and some of the stuff we're fixing to get into. I'll tell you right now that a lot of the stuff that is being talked about today especially on YouTube and some of the quote-unquote researchers. they love, You've never heard me claim to be a researcher. You see, that's the new tag. Oh, he's a researcher. They're a researcher. See, that's taken over the position of teacher. All you've got to do is have a computer and run you and watch YouTube clips all day, and all of a sudden you're a researcher, okay? <laughs> And it, and some some have, have um, even tried to turn that in to being a teacher. That teachers are called. Preachers are called. It's a calling. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So you have to distinguish between spirit-filled teaching and just plain old worldly researching. See, you've got, you've got to be on guard against that stuff because what you do when you dive in to stuff that's been kept down, you're dancing with the devil. And I think I'm going to coin that phrase and start using it when we start doing a lot of supposition and opinion and opinions. We call it dancing with the devil because that's actually what you're doing. If there's not foundational truth for it in canonized scripture that's been blessed by God, you may so you may um, have suppositions and ideas, but see if you understand the spiritual warfare, what takes place in the realm that you don't see, that realm that you need to be more familiar with that realm than actually the physical realm. Because you have to be on guard. Things can look and sound so good and yet be so very, very wrong. And we're warned against this, both physically, in the, in, in the physical, pragmatically, and we're fixing to read it, and spiritually as well. From the Old Testament to the New Brother Chad, I want you to read Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. And let's put us in context of today. All right? That's Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, I believe, brother. Yes, it's verse yeah, 4. That's the one, yes. 
Daniel 12:4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Okay, knowledge is going to increase when and time. That's the context, just wasn't, and that's where we're at. When did the end time start, Brother Don? The last day started at the resurrection, according to Brother John. Little children, these are the last days. First John, okay? So now I want you to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Let's say, let's, let's, the most knowledgeable person and with the most wisdom that ever lived, according to Jesus Christ, that walked this earth in human form, okay, that... The, the person that was the wisest human, I'm not talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who was God manifest in the flesh, or Satan, who was the fallen cherub. I'm not talking about them. The wisest man that ever lived. This is what he had to say about it. I want you to read verse 18. Okay. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 18. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. That is so true. That is so true. I would have never, I, I, I read that a hundred times, man, more than a hundred times. That, and that's being um, conservative. Way over a hundred times. And, and it's, but it's only started getting, um, coming home to roost me, really actually understanding it here in my later years. And I'm sure there's a reason for it. I know there is. Nothing happens by chance. Go to 1 Corinthians, brother, chapter 8, while I'm talking. Yes. And um, there, there's basic stuff that you should know. I mean, that, that, like I said, I'm not saying that it's all, if that's wrong to learn new stuff, not at all. There's some stuff that you should be familiar with, especially in the culture and what's around us today. You should be able to all. You should be able to talk to a, a person pretty much about on any subject, fairly, with, with, because as much is out there that, that you can get your hands on, and some things aren't worth talking about. Paul says it was wrong even to speak of those things done in darkness. He warned the Corinthians about that, and the Ephesians. Now let's see what Paul told the, the Corinthians. What comment he had. Dealing with, because some of them claim to have a, a bunch of knowledge, okay, for their time. And they're probably a lot smarter than um, we are today. But, um, Brother Chick, go ahead and read verse 1, okay? First Corinthians 8. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. That's right. Now, you can extrapolate out that out into all these worldly topics you can you can extrapolate that out into secret societies you know he is talking about idolatry you know and Paul says we got the knowledge about the idols we know about them but knowledge puffeth up well I know about how that idol what that idol means I know about Astarte all that stuff like I said I'm not condemning the knowledge of it per se Charity edifies. In other words, that's the most important thing. Actionable knowledge is different from sedimentary knowledge. 
In other words, sedimentary knowledge would be something you just learn that does nobody any good but you. Actionable knowledge is something you can learn and you can pass on to others that helps them in their life and in their service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is the most important thing in this life. Is your daily walk of three score and ten or whatever, your daily walk with your fellow man, but most of all, your daily communion with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you wanted to show you one more thing the Apostle Paul had to say about it, turn to um, 1 Corinthians 13, brother, and start reading at verse 1. Okay. First Corinthians 13, 1. Un momento, and okay. First Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Okay, you see what he just said? Read that verse again, brother. Yeah, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. All right, you see there? See how much emphasis Paul, you see the Apostle Paul putting a a big uh, deal on knowledge? Of course not, because there's more important things. Like I said, it's not wrong to have some of it, to have it. But what? But actionable knowledge is what you should seek after. Not sedimentary knowledge, which just sets and rots in your brain and is of no good to anybody but yourself. Paul sums it up. Read the last verse in, in chapter 13, brother. Mm-hmm. 13, 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Tell you something. You said, there you go, Brother Don, talking about that old Apostle Paul again. <laughs> Let me show you something. I mean, and, and, and because we're fixing to get into a, a review of the New Testament and New Testament doctrine, and we're going to be going over all the New Testament books again, but we're going to be going over them faster. We're not going to spend a lot of time, not going to, to teach and preach it expositorily per se, every verse. We're gonna sometimes we're gonna skip five or six verses. We may even we may even skip more than that. Because I'm but let me show you why. Won't you go to Acts chapter twenty, brother? Mm-hmm. And read verse twenty seven. Now I want you to listen to what's said here. And I want to I want because you read over it and you don't stop and think. Now, let me before you read it, let me say this, brother. If I could ever get anything across to you that would help you more in your Christian life, it would be this, in your study of the Word of God, it would be this right here. Slow down. Pay attention to every word and every phrase. 
I'll say that again. Slow down and pay attention to every two or three words, every word and every phrase, every statement. See, not just a paragraph. I read that paragraph. You did? Did you pay attention to every three or four words and what was trying to get across? That's why we stop all the time in the middle of the sentence. I learned that years ago. And that's been the biggest help to me in my scripture memorization and in my understanding and the Lord being able to deal with me about certain things in the Word of God. If I could impart anything that the Lord has used in my life and showed me, this would be it. That you do. And you, if you do this, you will start. You will. You will be amazed at what will happen. It's like that nugget I gave you the other night about when you see two things that seem to contradict. That's not a curse. That's a blessing in disguise. Because at the bottom of it, you're going to find a truth that you wouldn't have found any other way. And the Lord does that stuff on purpose. So what's that got to do with what we're talking about now? Everything. Because this phrase, he's, this verse he's fixing to read to you, if you stopped and thought about it for just a little while, I think some bells would jump off and start ringing in your brain and in your heart that you hadn't stopped and thought about before. Go ahead and read it, brother. Acts twenty twenty seven. Let me, let me give a little foretaste of what, is taking place here. This is Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders. Let me say that again. This is Paul's farewell address to the elders of the church of Ephesus. Now I want you to watch what he says closely. Read it, brother. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Okay. Now let's stop and think about what he just said. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. What do you get at? What, what, what would you make out of that? You think he's lying? <laughs> How could you take that and apply it in your life where it would be actionable knowledge? See, what would you do with it? I'm not going to sit here and whip a dead horse, even though I probably get accused of it a lot of times. Just think about that statement. I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Would you like to know what God wants you to know? Hmm? Would you? Yes. <laughs> Amen. Of course you would. Rhetorical question. And I guess uh, based and on that, I'd be uh, reading up on my uh, epistles of Paul. Okay, brother, turn to uh, Romans chapter 2 and read verse 16. Okay. And while you're turning there, let me make this statement. You're talking about a person that was taught for three years face-to-face by the Lord himself after the resurrection 
in Arabia. See, there's a lot of people that that get this, but they hate it. You've got Paul Basher's people that claim Paul wouldn't even say that some claim he's antichrist because of these claims he makes, because he makes some boasterous claims, folks. Now, we're talking about knowledge, remember? Now, he just said he showed the Ephesian elders all the counsel of God. So Paul knew the counsel of God that God wanted his church to get. Now, that's just what he said. That's what, and it, the book means what it says and says what it means, if you believe that, okay? Not only that, but he wrote three-quarters of the New Testament, okay? He was allowed to do that. He was also the only one outside of Jesus Christ that was allowed to say, by inspiration of the Spirit of God, to follow him, do what he did, act in the way he acted, live your life the way he lived his, his manner of living, the whole thing. And people hate that. See, they, they want to think it's somewhere they haven't looked yet. They want it something they hadn't read yet. No, the Word of God tells you where what you ought to know. I'm talking about you today in the body of Christ, the elect of God. Yeah, it's probably where you get that from Paul, you okay? The elect Israel, the bride. That's where you get where do you get that from? You get it from Paul. Read verse sixteen. Romans two sixteen, brother. Yes. And Watch I just the wording look. again. Watch the wording what he said. Okay. Go ahead. And just a, a quick note on counsel. I just looked it up. Obviously it means God's purpose, but it does in the lexicon emphasize that especially of the purpose of God respecting the salvation of men through Christ. Absolutely. Amen. Uh, Romans 2, 16. In the I day... Mean, it, would, it wouldn't matter to me. In the Greek, it meant chocolate ice cream. Amen. In the English, you know what counsel means. Yeah. Okay, Amen. got it? Okay. Verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Okay, God's going to judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Judgment seat of Christ according to what? Who said? Well, Paul. Oh, really? And you want to spend all your time in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy? <laughs> huh? Is that what you want to do? Listen, folks. You can, some of you can't, some, and especially some of the downloads, you can't stand this kind of talk because it's so dogmatic and to the point. But, folks, it's Scripture, and you either got to swallow it, digest it, and say amen or deny the book. Go to chapter 16 and read verse 12. He called it his gospel. That's what he called it. He was he, he he was because he was taught face to face. Go to six chapter sixteen, read verse twenty five. Okay. Hey, let's get your second and third witness. How about that? All you second witnesses, okay? Chapter sixteen, Romans, verse twenty five. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Okay. So Paul's got the mysteries. According to his gospel that was given unto him. Go to 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 
chapter 2, read verse 8. Because okay. it is good news. This gospel, that's what gospel means. Because you need to get this before we start in Matthew 6. This is very important, this knowledge thing. And I'll explain all that as we go through and go through the four Gospels pretty quickly. Go ahead, brother. Second Timothy 2, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my Gospel. There's my Gospel again. Personalizing it. Go to First Timothy. Chapter 1, read verse 11, brother. Sure thing. First Timothy one. Yes, one eleven. One eleven. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Y'all got that? Committed to Paul's trust. Say, what about Peter? Well, of course they. they of course they. There's this. They talked what they saw and what they understood. Absolutely. John was close to the Lord Jesus Christ while he walked this earth. But John didn't get the mysteries. He was the last he was granted to be the to live longer than any other apostle and got the blessing of writing the last book in the canonized scripture. But he didn't get taught face to face for three years after the resurrection. If you when as we go through the gospels, you're gonna notice the Lord kept telling them over and over again what was going to go on. They didn't even hear him. They didn't have a clue what he's talking about. Because they hadn't experienced the new birth yet. They were dead in trespasses and sin. They couldn't understand yet. The Lord even jumped on them about it a few times, you know, with his tongue in cheek, I'm sure. So all the counsel of God, the gospel, my gospel, judged by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That's pretty strong words. The gospel of God committed to my trust. So where would you spend, where would you get founded at before you go running off everywhere else? See? I want knowledge. I think all the counsel of God is pretty strong. Want to know about the mysteries that God wants you to know? I think Paul would be your best bet. But you do what you want to do. Right? Like I said, I'm not going to whip a dead horse. Some of you will get it. Some of you won't. All scriptures give them inspiration to God, folks. Profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God be, may be truly furnished unto all good works. Okay? Brother Don is not sitting here bad-mouthing any of the precious word of God at, by any stretch of the imag imagination at all. I'm just talking about knowledge. Actionable knowledge. Not sedimentary knowledge. Understand what carries the most weight. And do you have the spiritual ability to balance it out? Or will you dance with the devil and be deceived? Because there's many deceivers 
that don't even know that they're deceivers. They're deceived and being deceived, as Paul says in Second Timothy chapter 3. Deceived and being deceived at the same time. So, just I wanted to get out, get that out front, and I want to, I wanted it be to be recorded. I've said stuff like that before the program started before, but I wanted it on tape. I wanted it to be recorded, so there won't be no ambiguity about what I'm talking about when I say dancing with the devil and supposition, because we're going to do a lot of that dancing around stuff in the book of Genesis. Just want you to get that get that straight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time tonight. I pray that your Holy Spirit will be present with us, Father. I pray that you forgive us for any unforgiven sin that may be in our life, Father. Bless the reading of your word as well, Father. May your spirit be the teacher tonight. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen. Matthew. Amen. Book of Matthew. All right. In conclusion about that topic, folks, Go back and listen to what I said again. And again. And again. And maybe you'll get you it'll sink home. I imagine that Brother Chad's sitting there thinking, Brother Don's told me this a hundred times. Amen. Hadn't I, brother? Amen, amen. And I have. And I've said it in in passing many times to a lot of you folks. I can't but stress how important what I just said was. Not if you want to be grounded, unshakable, and unmovable when it comes to your salvation, your eternal security, and your daily walk with Jesus Christ. Because, hey, in the end, that's all that matters. Amen. In the end, that's all that matters. The godliness profited not only in this life, but also in the life which is to come. That's Apostle Paul. You wouldn't know that from John, Peter, James, Jude. You wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know about the judgment seat of Christ versus the white throne judgment. You wouldn't have learned that from the Lord himself, from Luke, from Matthew. You wouldn't have learned it from Peter, James, or John. You learned it from Paul. You wouldn't know about the bride of Christ per se, and the body, you sure wouldn't know about the body, the many-membered body of Christ, if it wasn't for the Apostle Paul. John didn't get it. Peter didn't get it. James didn't get it. Paul got it. Now you starting to understand what I'm saying. You see why people hate him, because they want to hang around with "Thou shalt do" and "Thou shalt not." And if you come into this ministry here. On the train of Christian identity, with no rebirth and no spiritual foundation whatsoever, other than racial messaging, then you're not going. You're not going to be happy here at all. You're not going to be happy here at all. That's only a minute part of the whole overview of the scriptures and especially of what's important. 
So here we are, back at the, the first of the New Testament. The Old Testament is gone. There's been 400 years in between Malachi and Matthew. It's called the silent years. In between the in this 400 years, the, the Maccabean period took place. I'm not going to go through all that Maccabean period, but the Lord did not see fit to put any of the writings that took place during that into the canonized scripture. The one he's blessed. I'll just start saying the one he's blessed because he sure hadn't blessed none of the rest of them. All right? So the Lord, these 400 years that took place between Malachi and the writing here in Matthew, everything was rocking along, you know. The Jews has got their temple. The Edomites got a half-Edomite king sitting on the throne over there, Pilate. And all of a sudden, we're fixing to get into the the very the the very start. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this man comes out of the wilderness. Repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven. Listen to what I'm saying. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what Matthew's going to Matthew. The book of Matthew is about the kingship of Jesus Christ. The genealogy takes you back, and Matthew emphasizes. The kingship of the throne of David. That's what Matthew emphasizes. It's the kingship of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of Mark emphasizes the suffering servant, the servitude of Jesus Christ. The book of Luke emphasizes Jesus as the Son of Man, of God manifest in the flesh. Jesus as the Son of Man. The book of John, the Gospel of John, emphasizes the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and takes his genealogy all the way back into pre-existence. In the beginning was the Word. I mentioned it the other night. And each one of these Gospels has a different slant. I just gave you just part of it there about the kingship. But it, during this kingship, that that Matthew's going to emphasize. It's ruling from the throne of David. And it, when John starts, when John the Baptist starts preaching, it's repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. Don't forget that. It's a literal, physical, visible kingdom with Jesus Christ ruling on the throne of David, which he has never done yet. And this is where the problem with New Testament doctrine comes. This is where you have to rightly divide the word of truth as we'll get into it. If he starts off with, if Matthew emphasizes kingship, then you know that most of all what's going to be talked about will be that things that take place here in the kingdom. And this kingdom he's talking about, it will be the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God. If you get that much down, you're already light years ahead of most folks. The difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Yes, I know some of you that's been with me a long time know that we've been through that over and over and over again. You've got to be able to tell somebody else about it, folks. So, keeping in mind that in Matthew, 
you'll see this is this scripture is fulfilled. The scripture is fulfilled over and over and over again in the Gospel of Matthew. The scripture is fulfilled. There's more quotations from the Old Testament, references back to the Old Testament in in Matthew than there are in all the other Gospels combined. I forget exactly how many. It's somewhere between 28 and 38, somewhere in there. I'm not sure I've forgotten exact numbers. Going strictly by memory on this review. So, let's begin at the beginning, brother. I want you to read about the first 18 verses, and then we'll go back, and uh, we'll just we'll just hit on a few of who's in the genealogy that goes back to Abraham. You'll notice that he'll start at Abraham and come. I think he start. Don't he start at Abraham and come forward? Yes. Okay. He starts at Abraham and goes forward. And when Luke gives his genealogy, he'll take us back. He'll start. He'll start at the back at, with Jesus Christ and go backwards. He think that's by chance? Of course not. I'll um, I'll expand a little bit more on that later. But go ahead and read, brother Jim. Sure. The Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, stop right there for just a second. The book of the generations of Jesus Christ. Oh, so you, you say, okay, um, that, that must be all through the Bible. Well, no, as a matter of fact, it's not. That quotation that he used to start with, the book of the generations. This is the book of the generations. As a matter of fact, it's not in Malachi. It's not in the Minor Prophets. It's not in the Major Prophets. It's not in the Psalms or Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or Song of Solomon. Not in none of, it's, not, it's not in Deuteronomy. You have to go all the way back to Genesis 5. You see that phrase again. And it says this is the book of the generations of Adam. You have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 5 to find that phrase, this is the book of the generation. Right there. Continue on, brother. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Thamar. And Phares begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram. And Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Naasan, and Naasan begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rachab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king. Uh, very important. And Jesse begot David the king. And then David the king mentions it twice. Doesn't mention that about any of these other kings that he runs over. How come it's mentioned twice here in one verse? I've showed you this. I've showed you the reason in the past. I don't know if you remember. I'll refresh your memory. Because David not only ruled one time, he's going to rule again. 
That's why it's mentioned twice in this verse. If you didn't stop and think, and why is this? If you didn't, it didn't prick your imagination. Oh, what's going on here? How come it's mentioned twice? See, I better check this out and see what it's talking about, and then run the references on David. You wouldn't find out that David's going to rule twice. That he ruled once, he's going to rule again from a throne. So you wouldn't know that. Ezekiel, by the way, in case there's any, I don't know who's it, come in new into the chat room. But yes, you'll find that in Ezekiel. Matter of fact, it's between chapters 35 and 37. You'll find that. But yes, he's going to rule again. He surely is. David the king. Continue on, brother. And Jesse begat David the king. And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. He didn't mention Bathsheba's name, just calls her that had been the wife of Uriah. Uriah was a Hittite. Well, where does the genealogy of the Hittites go? Where do they go back to? Who do they? They sure don't go through Abraham. Just threw that in there. Go ahead, brother. And Solomon begat Roboam. Rehoboam. Rehoboam. It's R O. I know it. I know it's what it is. I'm just telling you what his name is. Go ahead. Okay. Roboam begat Abia, and Abia begat Asa, and Asa begat Josephat, and Josephat begat Joram, and Joram begat Ozias, and Ozias begat Joatham. And Joatham begat Achaz. And Achaz begat Ezekias. And Ezekias begat Manasseh. And Manasseh begat Amon. And Amon begat Josias. Okay, let me, stop. Let, me, let me tell you why I stopped and stopped him and told him who, what the actual name was. Because for the life, I've never been able to figure it out. I don't know why the, the weird pronunciations here are some of these names. I have no clue. I know the original pronunciation is the, is the right one. Okay? <laughs> That's all I know. So are you saying that in the Old Testament? I'm saying when it says Manasseh, right, it's talking about Manasseh, the king, the most wickedest king that Israel ever had. Okay? Right. And when it says Ezekiel, it's talking about Ezekiel. Okay? Yes. So continue on. Oh, so that's why Rehoboam. Rehoboam. It's his real name. His name is Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Right. Rehoboam here. Okay. Why they call it that? I have no clue, brother. And nobody else does either, I don't think. Interesting. Okay. And Ezekiel begat Manasseh, and Manasseh begat Amon, and Amon begat Josias. And Josias begat Jeconias and his brethren. That's Jeconias. Oh, yeah, that's correct. Jeconias and his brethren, about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zorobabel. 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 That's that southern accent come to And Zorobabel begat... Abiud, and Abiud begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor, and Azor begat Sadok, and Sadok begat Achim, and Achim begat 
Eliad. And Eliad begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Matthan, and Matthan begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. Okay, this is a genealogy all the way. Joseph, it comes to Joseph. You want to know why? Because Joseph gives him legal heirship to the throne. Not by bloodline, but by legality. All right? Because why is it that important, you ask? I want you to go back to um, Jeremiah real quick, brother. Sure. Jeremiah chapter, I think it's chapter 22. My memory holds correct. Yeah, Jeremiah 22, verse 30. I'll show you why. It's because this bloodline here has a curse. And we're fixing to read about the curse in Jeremiah chapter 20, 22, verse 30. Brother, Brother Chad. Jeremiah 22, verse 30. Thus saith the Lord, write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days. For no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. There's the curse. There's the curse right there. And whenever, and I remember on some uh, on Doc's ad lib commentary, that's one. This you, you, you say, so there's something somebody ought to do. I don't know anybody that's ever actually put it together. But you ought to go through the Word of God sometime and find Satan's high points. You know, he has high points in where he wins victories too. See, this is not a victory for the Lord. This is a victory for, for the devil. So what are you talking about? Because it goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15, the seed war. I'll put enemy against his seed and thy seed, see? Well, right here, this cuts off the seed line from ever being able to be king in Judah. How in the world, what's the Lord going to do? There was probably rejoicing among the divine council. There was probably rejoicing among the cosmocraticos, the archons in Exusia. Because they thought they were going to be able to make the word of God of none effect and make God out of liar. See? So somebody, I've never done it myself. It just popped into my head today as I was studying. Somebody ought to go through. I may do it eventually. Is just go through and pick out the, the, the Satan's victories, his high points. Because he's got high points too. It's a war going on. Folks, I tell you this all the time. This is one of the his biggest high points. The big high point was Genesis six. That was a big high point as well. Genesis three, another high point. He said there he's trying what what Satan is trying to do is destroy God's word, and when God says something, it's binding forever. Or, or if, if if one jot or tittle fails, folks, if one jot or tittle fails, you can't put any trust in any of it. That's why I'm so adamant about it. You have to be, if you're going to be a Bible believer, you'll be adamant about it too. Because you've rested your eternal soul on what it says. So this is a high point. This is one of Satan's greatest victories. 
just like at the resurrection. It was a knockout by Jesus Christ. All the demons, all the all the dark forces had to bow, had to back off. It was a knockout. Satan had his he's not down almost down for the count. He got one more round to go, see. But he is almost knocked down for the count at Calvary. Some of your theologians think he was knocked out at Calvary. And that's because they don't understand prophecy. And they're not literal interpreters of the scripture. They think that that was a complete knockout right there at Calvary. And then you got some that don't even think there's a battle going on. And then some try to take the battle, the, the, um, the war, and try to make it a physical war when it's a spiritual war according to the word of God. And all their screaming and all their hollering and all their spitting and spewing, they're not going to change this book. The book says that our warfare is not carnal and they're fleshy. It says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Both are physical. Carnality is physicality. Okay? It's the spiritual war that's taking place. Therefore, to be able to fight a spiritual war, you've got to be spiritual, or you don't have a snowball chance in hell anyway, period. You're, done, you're dead anyway. But the spiritual man has to fight a spiritual battle. And bless God, spiritual battles are not physical battles, no matter how much you try to twist and, and, and tweak and change the scriptures, Bill Fink, all you want to. God's word will not be broken. And you with your lying, reprobate self ain't going to change it either. And you can tell by the fruited bears that, they, that, that the spirit, that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. And without the Spirit of God dwelling in them, they can't understand anything. And you've got to get the Spirit before you can become the spiritual man. Because according to Paul, you are dead spiritually in trespasses and sin. Both physically and spiritually. And we'll hit on that royally when we get to the book of Romans. False teachers out there leading people down the primrose path. Continue, brother. Yes. Uh, also, Pastor, uh, the question that came to me was because uh, Marie and I were talking about this. Is this genealogy to show also that Joseph is is not the father of Jesus Christ? Oh, absolutely, yes. That's another thing it does. But I wanted to hit on the most important thing. It gives the legal right of Jesus Christ to the throne of David through Joseph. It gives the legal right, but it also shows not you couldn't if you stopped right here, he wouldn't know nothing. Later on, it tells you Joseph's not the father. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. See, the, the, this brother, the promise to David was that Jesus Christ would rule on his throne. Yes. All right? That has to be fulfilled. Now, go to, turn back, let me share what I'm talking about. Go back to Isaiah. 
Let's find the okay. prophecy that has to be fulfilled, okay? Isaiah chapter 9. Okay. I'll show you what I'm talking about, why it's so important. <clears throat> You'll get it after you read this. You should. Okay. Isaiah chapter 9. I mean, if anybody's got any doubts about the virgin birth, you've got no business being here anyway. Nobody. Man, I mean that. Man, I'll explain, I'll explain, explain that later, in, later on. Verse 1? 6. 6. For unto us a child is born. Oh, just back up and read verse 5. This is a prophecy for the future, folks, okay? Read 5 and 6. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. Here's one of those prime beautiful examples where the, the prophet is rolling along there and then all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, here is a prophecy about the Messiah. Go ahead, brother. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. Do you see the importance of it now? Well, yes. That's the prophecy. It has to be, it has to be fulfilled. It, it, guess what? It hadn't been fulfilled yet. Absolutely not. No, there's no, Jesus Christ is never, see, this is where the allegory gods come in. This is where they try, well, he's reigning spiritually in your heart on the spiritual throne. No, 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 that's not what it said. Go, and let me show you a tie-in verse with another uh, prophecy that's going to be fulfilled here in Matthew will also be in Isaiah chapter 7 and start reading at verse 14. Okay. We'll get the virgin birth out of the way. Sure thing. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Uh, should I start at the paragraph or just go straight there? Let's start at verse 14. Yeah, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. So they're looking for a sign of a virgin giving birth. Big, that's a pretty big sign. That's totally against everything. That's just that. See, this is where you got all the liberals, all the people trying to marginalize this, even Jacinius, the Greek lexicon writer. He was one of those quote-unquote pragmatic thinkers. They try all kind of ways to do away with anything that's mystical or miraculous. That was just, and Jacinius is um, a lot of, if you folks use Strong's Concordance, Jacinius is, uh, they reference him all the time, if you've noticed. He was a pragmatic thinker, and they try to get rid of the supernatural all of the time. That's what you have to watch out for. Folks, all of sin to come short of the glory of God. Everybody's got the shortcomings, Okay. I don't care how much Bible they know or anything else. They're all sinners. 
all center. They all got certain good qualities. Some's got certain good qualities, and some ain't got none. <laughs> but some's got some. Justinius was pretty good stuff, but like I said, he was a pragmatic thinker, and he stayed away, tried to get around the virgin birth. Now, you can study it out for yourself and find out. I'm not going to go into all the lingo about it. But I will. all I'll do is tell you he tried to uh, say, oh, well, this could be changed to a young woman. She'll give birth. You know, Mary, wouldn't, uh, when it says that she was a virgin, it said young woman, all that crap. And the new virgins make it young woman. They follow his lead. And there you go with apostasy, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, with the new virgins. Back to Matthew, brother. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the question you asked, I'm really not under... Yes, this is one way of showing that um, Joseph was not his father, his physical father, but he was his stepdad. But he had to be, he had to have some kind of lineage to have right to the throne of David. Do you understand? Uh, I'm trying to, because it says in the curse that nobody from that line would be on that throne. That's why it went through the other line, right? Through that, uh, was it Nathan? That, because the bloodline has to come through somewhere, and it yes. will come through Mary. See? Yes, yes. That's what Luke's going to reveal. Yes. I, I, didn't, I didn't grasp, I, I never heard about the, the, the legality. You've done heard what, what I think, what the pro, I may be wrong, but you've heard some Presbyterian BS, it sounds like. Well, I've heard lots of Presbyterian BS. <laughs> <laughs> Most of it was, went in one ear and got stuck coming out. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> but, yeah, I've cleaned my ears out from that. <laughs> but, okay, brother. Let's let's. Brother, right. let's Let's go. Sure. Okay, so uh, Matthew one seventeen. So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations. And then and from, I, will tell, I will tell you there, you will have people that'll run in and they'll try to t- tell you though there's this big there, it, there there is apparent problems with the gener fourteen generations. I'm going to leave it at that and tell you that it's BS what they say. Study it out for yourself. If you if if you're if you're if you're not a Bible believer, you'll thrive on stuff like that. If you're a Bible believer, you have no problem. See, that's why I made the statement I did in Genesis about the first seven words. If you believe the first seven words of Genesis, you have no problem in being a Bible believer. See, you have no problem. You, If you think that God, God created, the Lord Jesus Christ created everything that was ever created, and you don't think he can preserve his word? Come on, give me a break. Give me a break. That's why I made that crass statement a while ago about Brother Chad when he talked about what it said in the Greek. I could care less, really, what it said in the Greek. You know, I, I go to the Greek all the time. We do, just to, to get more in, some more insights and stuff. But I really could care less. Because when they spoke Aramaic, when the children of Israel were down in Babylon and everything, and they got to speak in Aramaic, there was an Aramaic, God get, let them have an Aramaic Bible. You did know that, right? There was Aramaic translations. And when they spoke Hebrew, they had the Hebrew Bible. And when they had Greek, they had a, they had a Greek Bible. And now God's children's got an English Bible because the world speaks English. That's the universal language. Okay? Got it. If you believe that, you don't have a problem with none of this the minute stuff. Okay? Go ahead, brother. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are fourteen generations. 
Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. You see, he thought she just stepped out on him. That's what, but here's the Lord speaking to intervene. But that's what Joseph thought, but he was a good man. Like I said, he is in the lineage. His lineage was through the bloodline of David. The legal line came, was all the way up through Joseph. The on paper line, okay? The legal line. That's what I'm talking about, the legal line. But it also not only did it have to be through the legal line, it had to be through the bloodline as well, according to prophecy. That's the reason we went back and read those prophecies. There's 300, over 300 prophecies, folks, in the Old Testament about Jesus Christ first coming. Over 300. Every one of them was fulfilled to the T. Guess what? There's over 500 on the second coming. You reckon they're going to be fulfilled to the T? <laughs> I got my money on the book. Don't know where yours is. I bet my soul on it. Continue, brother. Okay. Are you taking one. notes while you're reading? Yeah, every once in a while, I'd like to know I a little. I can hear you writing. I know. That's that old fountain pen of mine. It's scratchy. All right. Uh, Matthew 1, verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. See, this dispels all doubt from Joseph's mind right here. But the Lord intervened. Why? And because this is the conception is by the Holy Ghost. And folks, you see, it gets woo-woo and people want to jump off the boat. I, there is no doubt in my mind. Those people, I could say some stuff that I don't want to slander anybody. But I'm just going to tell you this. There's some people out there that some of you folks patronize that absolutely does not believe in the virgin birth. And they do not believe in the body, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'll just leave it at that. And you know what I think about those people? They're just as lost as hell. You hear what I said? That's what I think about them. They're just as lost as hell. And you know what? If they go to claiming, it, let one of them try to absolutely, beyond any shadow of a doubt, track his genealogy back to Abraham. I mean, for sure, absolute certain. He'd be walk, If he tried, he'd be walking. If that's what he truly believed, or they, whoever it is, truly believes that that's what your salvation rests on, then you're never going to have assurance of your salvation. You're absolutely going to put, you, your emphasis will be on grace instead of grace. You've dropped the ball, and you're off down a primrose path, and you'll never recover unless the Lord grants you repentance. I'm warning you, I'm warning. It almost happened to me. 
it almost happened. So, anyway, continue on, brother. Matthew 1 and 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. No, it says, they shall call his name Yahweh Shua. <laughs> Bless you. They should call him Yahweh Shua, Yeshua. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I had to say that, brother, to get a laugh. Let's go ahead. Keep on going. I'm not going to and just emphasize it. It's, it's all caps. <laughs> There's no yeah, mistake. See, there was a mistranslation. That's really the Jews. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, this <laughs> goes fly. Hot. Make me sick to my stomach, okay? Um, find me somebody that wants to play with that dog and pony show. It ain't happening here. Go ahead, brother. Those poor souls, Matthew one twenty two. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. You see there, we done read the prophecy. Remember, brother? Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. <laughs> well, go, go ahead. Isaiah 7, uh, which being interpreted is God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Yes. So this is God manifest in the flesh. Big mystery. Go ahead, brother. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Wow, he was obedient. And he just had a dream. Y'all got it in black and white. Are you obedient as Joseph was? He just had a dream. He did it. Yeah, but it's just Bible. You don't know nothing. See that? See what I mean? See what I mean? It's either the Word of God to you, folks, or it's not. That's just that simple. <laughs> it's either the Word of God to you, or it ain't. There is no half and in between. He's so dogmatic. You better believe I am, and I will remain that way. If God giving me grace and mercy, I'll remain that way. And if you ever see me deterring, slam me immediately because I've lost my mind. I've gone senile. I'm crazy. Shoot me in the head and throw me in a hole because it will not be by my own clarity of mind and self-choosing. I can assure you that. I have banked that when I take my last breath, I'm going to pull in the next breath on the other side with the Lord. I banked my soul on that. That's what you find in this book. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. See, I banked my soul on that. If you haven't, you better start getting to where you're, the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, where he's trying to tell you that's what you should do, you better obey. You Amen. Obey. You better obey the Spirit of God. Because it won't always be knocking at that door. Like I've said many, many times. He always goes talking about that old... Yes, I surely do. Yes, I surely do, and we'll continue to. 
God giving me mercy and grace. Finish the chapter, brother. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jehovah saves. Jehovah saves. Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Any questions in the chat room? I'm just looking there. It's uh, very clear this was the firstborn and not only begotten son of Mary. Yep. No doubt about that. Jesus had brothers and sisters. Yes, yes, yes. So much for... Yep, so um, much for the Catholic doctrine. Those guys, yep. We killed the... uh, Killed the Mormon perpetual virginity of Mary. <laughs> Let me tell you, folks, that perpetual virginity stuff, that's straight out of Babylon. Astarte was a perpetual virgin, but their their idea of virginity and paganism is not the idea that you have a virginity See, Did you know that? Mm. That's right. Check me out. Their idea of virginity doesn't mean not ever having sex. Their identity, their uh, uh, definition of virginity is different. Hmm. <laughs> so I threw you a curveball there, right here, Dan. If there's no questions, um, well, Brother Dave brought up some things. He said Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-four, um, and David, my servant, shall be king over them, thank and they you. shall have thank you, Brother one. Dave. Ezekiel, yeah, 37, 24, and observe my statutes and do them. Yeah, they shall also walk in my judgments and OBS. Oh, and observe my statutes and do them. Uh, Okay, and guest six says, that's amazing. Don't believe in the resurrection body nor virgin birth question. Hope I haven't patronized them. Yahivadhi. Yodhivadhi. Yahivadhi. I don't know what that yeah, would that's, that's the Tetragrammaton. That's the YHWH, brother. That's oh, the okay. unspit, That's the unpronounceable name of God. Oh, okay. And the King James translators call it Jehovah. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. James. Oh, and then he said James is one, the book of brother of Christ. Mm-hmm. He said that when he talked about his brothers. Yeah. Amen. James is a brother of Christ. So that's what's in the chat. Okay. Folks, I appreciate you being here tonight, and Lord willing, tomorrow, and Brother Chad, thank you. Good job, brother. Uh, we got a long ways to go, and, Amen. and and Lord willing, short time to get there. Maybe the Lord will come back tomorrow, and we won't have to worry about it. Praise the Lord. It'd be nice, you know. Yeah, maybe we could all be wrong on a prophecy. You know, that wouldn't bother me one bit, okay? <laughs> all like right. I've said many times, I ain't dogmatic about that stuff at all, period. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I misinterpreted it some way, and the Lord shows up tonight before I go to bed. Tickle me to death. <laughs> Absolutely. But no more problems after that, folks. After the judgment seat of Christ, after the white throne judgment, there will be no more pain, sorrow, tears. It'll all be gone. There's nothing in the world that the Lord coming back. If you're a Christian, there's nothing in this world. There's nothing that his coming back wouldn't solve. There's no problem you have in your life. There's no thought. There's no There's no nothing going on in your life that is, is sorrowful and hurtful to you that the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would not cure instantaneous with his return. 
because once you get the new body, it happens in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump, whenever that is, and that would solve all your problems because once that change from mortal to immortality takes place, you got it whipped. I got it whipped. That's why it's called the blessed hope, folks. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time tonight. Together, Father, we can magnify your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this book, Father. We bow our knee to this book, Father, because it's the little W, the small W that we have here on this earth for all manners of faith and practice, Father. And that we've rested our souls on what this book says. We thank you that the big word, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Logos, we thank you for what he did for us on Calvary, Father. And we give him all the praise and honor and glory for anything you ever do in any of our lives, Father. May he get all the honor and the glory, for he is worthy. And I ask all these things in his precious name and for his name alone. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay, folks, Lord willing, help permit, and we'll be back tomorrow night with uh, with Genesis uh, chapter 1. We'll be in verse 2 and 3, and I will be making some cuts. So we'll dance with the devil a little bit tomorrow night and uh, see what goes, see what happens. Anyway, uh, I love you and uh, hope to see you tomorrow night. Good night, Brother Chad. Good night, Pastor Don. Love you, brother. Love you, too. I'll write you this week, okay? Give me a call. Amen, I will. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Good night. Good night, guys.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.